Welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, in my reading this week, I came once again in uh, into Genesis, and uh, I was reading through the portions about uh, Joseph in Egypt, and uh, this is going to take a completely different turn than everybody else talks about Joseph in Egypt. You know, the archetype of Christ, and uh, uh, you know, the the uh, just the the picture of grace and mercy. Um, Joseph. There's parts that paint a little bit different picture that are somewhat relevant to our modern age. Uh, as you know, if you follow things, you know that the globalists are on a mission to make sure that by 2030 you own nothing and are very happy about that fact. And uh, in a couple days here, to my understanding, is uh, COPE 28, uh, which is going to be headed out by um, uh, the opening ceremony, uh, opening address by... Uh, Oh, is it King Edward? I forget. Whatever the new king is over in UK, uh, it all just happens so fast. I don't follow UK politics that much, but but uh, the new king over there is proceeding over, and this starts their seven-year march to 2030. Seven years, Bible time, 2030, take everything. Uh, you'll own nothing. You'll be happy. The reality is, and the sad reality is, they've already started to do this, not through authoritarian force, but through uh, uh, just a lot of weird little things. Um, came across my my desk last night um, on the Linux channel. Uh, Sony and Disney had some form of partnership. I didn't get a chance to read the articles yet, but I, I saw somebody sent me an email about it. Uh, basically, you could buy movie content through your Sony account from Disney while the contracts fell apart. And all of that content, any content that you owned by Disney through your Sony account is completely gone now. So you thought you were buying your favorite movies and they just, oh, we, we didn't renew our contract and so you've just lost them all. And this is why I talk a lot about taking personal ownership of your things and stuff like that. This is their plan. They got you addicted to streaming services so you would stop buying movies. They got you addicted to hail, ride-hailing ride services. You know, realize that Lyft is one of the main companies that is driving us the idea that to inject into the public consciousness that they're, you know, it's it's not worth owning a car. They're just too expensive, they're too hard. Just, just you don't need a car, you just need a Lyft account. We'll ride you anywhere. It sounds great from the plan from the company that wants to have full self-driving car fleets without having to pay anybody, so they're gonna be able to take 100% of the profits for what they're doing. Sounds like a great thing. What in the world does any of this have to do with Joseph in Egypt, the archetype of Christ himself, the perfect picture of grace and love and mercy. Well, because there is a darker story about what's going on. Of course, it starts with how Joseph rose to power to begin with. He is kidnapped by his jealous brothers and sold to a Ishmaelite convoy that is going and selling slaves to Egypt. He is picked up by Potiphar and he is the head of Potiphar's house because God is blessing him and everything that he does succeeds. Except his wife's like, haba haba, he's a hottie. And uh, so she wants to make some advances towards him and he's like, I'm having nothing to do with it. I'm going to honor my God. You know, the, the master has put me in control of everything except for you. And so she keeps on making advances. He, he, uh, she grabs his cloak. He leaves his cloak there, runs off. 
you know, gets out in the open and she's like all screaming now, oh, look at what this Hebrew did. And so they throw him in jail. The jailer realizes the hand of God is on him and puts him in charge of the whole jail. And, uh, and then uh, two of Pharaoh's uh, servants, the bread maker and the cupbearer, uh, they are thrown into prison. They both have a dream. Joseph interprets it and then tells him, hey, when uh, you get out, of course, the bread maker is going to be put to death and the cupbearer ba- cup is going to be restored to his position. He says, when you are go back, please tell Pharaoh of my story. I was unjustfully kidnapped, unjustfully sold, and I'm unjustfully here in prison. Of course, the cupbearer forgets all about it because he's excited about his new job. Uh, well, his old job back. Until two years later, Pharaoh has this troubling dream that's effectively the same message in two different ways in the dream, and this is what causes the cupbearer to remember, oh, there's that Hebrew guy in jail who seems to be pretty good at interpreting dreams. So Pharaoh, of course, calls for Joseph. They clean him up because who's going to bring like some you know, dirty, scraggly, scab-covered bum to Pharaoh. So they get rid of, uh, you know, they, they get rid of all that. They could clean shave him, put him in nice clothes, <laughs> give him a bath. Woo! That prison's nasty. And then they put him up in front of Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dream and says, this is what you need to do, Pharaoh. You need to assign people to collect the, ex- the, to collect the food out of the abundance of the land so the abundance of the land isn't thrown out. And then you will have enough food for the famine. So this is exactly what happens. The second year into it, of course, Joseph's brothers come to buy food, and then we'll pass by that whole story there because it's not relevant to what we're getting to, and we're over halfway done with the talk already. So what happens, though, is that first remember that all of these food stores was because Joseph went through Israel and he collected all of the excess food. And it wasn't just, hey, how much food do you have extra? It's, hey, we're going to collect a bunch of the food that you have grown, Mr. Citizen. So he authoritarian, uh, like an authoritarian, he did go through and he collected all of their food. Now, they still had plenty at that time. Nobody was complaining for seven years because they were supernaturally producing far more food than they could possibly use. So, hey, giving it to the government, why not each citizen stock it up for themselves. No, we have to produce a, um, we have to produce a social security type of state. Uh, so of course they're going to rob everybody for the social security. They're going to borrow that for their own selves, their own friends, their own family, and they're going to sell it all back to you. Sounds like a government plan. And that's exactly what we see going on. So this is what's going to bring us into our text for today. We're going to be looking at Genesis 47. We're going to start at verse 13 and uh, I believe we're going to go down to, uh, I think we're going to go down to 25 or 26, somewhere around there. So let's go ahead and start up here. Uh, and we'll just kind of do this in, in small sections here. Now, there was no food in the land because the famine was severe. So the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So they collected all of this food from the people instead of telling the people, hey, save up food. There's going to be a famine. We may not be able to help you out. No, they collect all the food, and then what do they do? They sell it back to them. So they've collected all their food, and then they sell it back to them. Now, it's one thing to sell it to the land of Canaan. They're the outsiders. Yeah, you got to pay for it, Bubba's. But inside their own people, and again, I'm not argumenting or, or advocating for a communist society here, but the challenge that we have is that they 
collected all this money or they collected all this food and now they're selling the food back to their own citizens. But then it gets even worse because now we're talking about the land of Egypt. When the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to it. So the land of Canaan's like, eh, we don't have any money left. We're just going to go for kind of the green pastures. But all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us food for why should we die in your presence? Our money is gone. So the, the government has taken all of their excess food and now robbed them blind. Isn't that great? So then Joseph gave up, said, give up your livestock and I will give you food for your livestock since your money is gone. So now they're going to take all their possessions. Okay. So they said, okay, fine. Better have, uh, better have food than a cow. Of course, you could eat the cow. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses and the flocks and the herds and the donkeys. And he fed them food in exchange for all their livestock that year. When the year was ended, they came to him the next year and they said, we will not hide from my Lord that our money is spent and the cattle is my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, that we and our land may be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph goes in and he buys all the, the he, he sells all the grain, he takes all their money, then he takes their livestock, then he takes their land, and then he makes them all slaves. So then what he did is, in verse 20, Joseph bought all of the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, and every Egyptian sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. Thus the land all became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of Egypt's border to the other. So this is the next part of the globalist plan. Let's create these smart cities. Let's have these 15-minute cities, and let's force everybody to live inside of these cities. Very interesting. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh, and they lived off the allotment which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. So a special privileged ruling class gets to keep all of their property. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have today bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is the seed for you that you may sow the land. At harvest, you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths is your own seed. Now, you can look at this and say, okay, this is them just saying, hey, we're going to reestablish the government property. You got to pay your property taxes and things like that. But that's not really how this went down, is it? And that is really the part that seems interesting. Uh, so he gives them food so that they can grow food, they can eat, and they can work the land. But of course, now they are serfs. This is the beginning of serfdom, that the Lord owns the land. They just work the land. They get a chance to eat the food, but they don't own anything. And verse 25, so they said, you have saved our lives. Let us be happy. <laughs> Let us find favor in your sight, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. And so that is how Joseph took their property, took their land, made them all slaves, except for that privileged ruling class. Now, that being said, obviously, um, I'm not throwing negative light at Joseph, but this is a fascinating story about how governments work. 
And this is the very type of stuff we're seeing happening in the upper echelons of our government. Is this the seven-year march to the end, as a one guy, uh, one video I watched recently said? Uh, I don't know. I, I Color me somewhat skeptical, but we'll watch and see what happens. But there is some interesting significance on the date 2030, not only in the fact that that is almost exactly 2,000 years after the crucifixion of Christ. It's not 2,000, it's 2,030. He was about 30. Now, there's some little odds and ends. Was he 30, 31, 32, 33, 34? And does the clock start at 0 AD or 4 AD? Because there is a little bit of dispute about that depending on where you're going and what you're looking at, obviously. But all of that being said, uh, one of the fascinating factors here is that there is significance on 23rd on the current cultural and that that's when they want us to own nothing and be happy and all live within these 15-minute cities at this highly regulated uh, digital currency government thing. It starts to really sound like the book of Revelation. So does the scripture give us specific keys? Well, it does tell us we have to be watching for the signs. It does tell us that we have to be prepared. What does all of this mean? Well, maybe it means having some food stocks available. Maybe it means having some skills to live off the land because we do know now, again, there's some difference in the theological circles. Are you pre-tribulation or post-tribulation? Well, if that video I saw is that this is that starts at seven years into what become that tribulation type period, Christians only have a few days left and then we'll be raptured out. But if you happen to believe, um, as I do, that the rapture does not happen at the beginning of the tribulation and assuming this is the start, and I'm not saying it is, I'm just throwing out some ideas of videos I've seen recently. If this is the start, Christians will go through a portion of this and we are commanded by Christ to be prepared and to be watching and to be looking for the signs. And when that day comes, run for the hills because we don't have another choice. What do you eat when you run for the hills? Obviously, the biggest part of this is to have faith in God. Having faith in God is the absolute most important thing we can do. Have faith in God, hands down. Okay, but... When we're talking about having faith in God, maybe a couple of skills might be beneficial. It would be nice for you to know what plants, plants are edible and what plants are poisonous in your specific region. It might be good to have the ability to hunt or to skin a deer or to prepare your own foods or things like this. Because if you believe as I do, we will be here for a period of time when we will not be allowed to engage in the economy. Now, remember a couple years ago that Facebook actually came out and was silently banning accounts that were talking about preserving food and things, basically calling these quote-unquote preppers, i.e. people who garden and preserve their food, they were calling them white supremacists and Nazis and banning them off of their platform. Very interesting that just the ability of teaching self-sustainability is an affront to these people. Um, very interesting from people who would like to take all of your stuff and all of your possessions. Some people have said that living on the land in a van is better in some ways. Unfortunately, I'm sometimes more dependent on the economy than less. I just have the reason, the ability to get fast out of Dodge if I need to with everything I own. Okay, that's the difference. <laughs> Uh, but I'll tell you what, though, if I could uh, hunt with something quiet out here and get away with it, mm, in that case, I could probably live off the land a little bit better. But that is really the ultimate principle, is that there is a governmental plan to take everything we have. Now, they're starting it by doing it willingly. 
Netflix and, and uh, Hulu and Disney Plus, all these things, you're not buying anything. And they can revoke that content anytime they want. And if you like watching those movies, I implore you, get yourself a DVD, get yourself uh, maybe a media server so you can watch those things. If not the physical media, you can create your own digital media library about it. I cover these things on my Linux channel. And so uh, when we're talking about these types of things, we need to be as self-sustaining as we can and we need to be as reliant on ourselves and the Lord as we can because it's very interesting to see this section of Genesis that really shows how this globalist takeover will happen. It's going to start by attacking the food. So will you eat the bugs? <laughs> we'll leave that here so it doesn't become super long and rambling. I hope that you enjoyed this fascinating message as I was thinking and unfolding it in my mind. Thanks for watching. I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.